Glad you could join us. Welcome to the Young Culture Podcast, a space where young adults from all backgrounds and experiences share their ideas and opinions. Hope you enjoy this episode and get inspired to show others what you're passionate about. Hi everyone, I have Tana with me today and we're going to be talking about a subject that I think resonates with everyone, but first we're going to go ahead and do a little bit of an introduction. So Tana, how are you doing today? Hi, I'm doing great. Thank you for having me on, Vanita. Yeah, I can't wait to talk about what we're going to get into. So before we go ahead, why don't you tell us a little bit about the work that you do? Yeah, so I'm from Los Angeles, California, and I'm a licensed marriage and family therapist and coach um, in California. And I work with women and couples. Um, I do most of my work with women, however, and women come to me with anxiety in their relationships and codependency. And that's pretty much uh, the focus of my work. I just love working with women, helping them and teaching them um, heal codependent patterns and anxiety in their relationships and help just help them have a healthy relationship with themselves. Amazing. So like we were saying earlier before the podcast recording, I actually did a course over the summer on codependency. And before codepend like doing that codependency course, I didn't really have much of an idea. But then after doing it, I was like, yeah, damn, I'm pretty codependent. And I think like the, a lot of these like I don't know, I'm only speaking for myself, but I feel like for this course, I thought the word being codependent was such a skewed and very narrow and specific pattern that someone goes through. And it's like more intense, but people, I think, experience codependency in so many little ways here and there. So why don't you tell us a little bit about what codependency means and how does it affect relationships? Yes. So codependency, it's pretty much like a chronic self-neglect where you tend to lose yourself in the other. And in this case, um, I'm going to be talking about in the context of romantic relationships, because it can play out in families and like siblings and and friends as well. But I'll just talk, I'll just keep it in the context of romantic relationships. Um, And so pretty much your focus is outside of yourself and you're seeking like that validation um, outside of yourself. And it's almost this idea that something outside of us is going to make us feel more fulfilled um, because there might be some feelings of emptiness or shame or low self-esteem or some fears. And so we're trying to pretty much seek something externally in order to um, fill the void or soothe internally. Um, And it's this idea of Also, some of the, maybe we could get into some of the behaviors or patterns, Mm -hmm. and that could look like just over-functioning in your relationships, being that rescuer rescuer or savior, um, you know, that caretaker, and it's all at the expense of self. So it's not so much that, like, you know, because being, uh, you know, a giver or, you know, a caretaker, it's not that those are negative qualities. I mean, it's great that there's some... Uh, you know, some empathy and some care that we have towards our partner. So it's mm-hmm. not like these are negative qualities. It's just that when it comes to the part of chronic self-neglect, right, and we're placing our needs last and we're just so hyper-focused on the other, that's when it becomes unhealthy because then we're developing a really unhealthy relationship with ourselves. We're like basically just forgetting about ourselves and losing ourselves in the, in you know, our partner. 
Yeah, that totally makes a lot of sense. And even just like for myself, I've always gotten this feedback that I'm too nice. Like Mm -hmm. everyone always tells me like, you're Mm -hmm. too nice with uh, certain situations. You're too nice with people. Like I've always gotten that. And, you know, before like, learning more about this I and I'm sure you probably get this a lot um in your practice too Mm -hmm. is people kind of confuse the codependency and the empath yes yeah so yeah like that's kind of where I thought I was like oh I'm just this nice person that just gives out kindness to the world because the world needs it yes can you speak a little bit more about that because I'm sure a lot of people have that kind of confusion between the two Oh, absolutely. Yes. Um, Yeah. So, you know, being an empath, uh, we have those qualities of just picking up on the subtleness of other people's um, unspoken, you know, words. Like we're so hyper-focused on like the body language and we could kind of sense into, you know, we could even say like their energy or their vibe. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And we almost tend to, to, um, identify maybe what it is that they might need. And we're like, oh, this person, you know, I could help them in this way, right? Like I sense that maybe they're going through something. Let me see if they need some support or, you know, um, some help or whatever that might be, right? And these are like amazing, like I said, amazing qualities to have. It's it's really great to just be able to be so attuned to others, right? Mm-hmm. And so then when it, where, where, like, I guess we could say that thin line is that it's now when we're starting to, um, it's when we're starting to put our needs last and almost forget about ourselves for the sake of the other person. Mm-hmm. Um, and we're not listening to what we need. So as an example, like, let's say we're like, you know, let's say we're extremely tired, but um, there's a friend that calls us and wants to maybe vent to us about something. We might tend um, in regards to the codependency aspect, we might tend to maybe just forget that we're even tired to uh, provide some support to our friend. Um, and let's let's assume it's not an emergency. Let's just assume that they just kind of want to vent, you know? Um, we may put that aside and provide support um, to our friend. However, we're like extremely tired and really like not emotionally available to actually provide that support, but we feel like we need to do it because maybe we don't want them to get upset with us or mad at us mm-hmm. or want them to think a certain way about us because we're not there for them in that moment versus just setting a boundary and saying, you know what, I'm here for you. I'm so tired. Uh, you know, can we, um, can I check in with you like late later on today or tomorrow? I just need a quick, you know, nap or whatever that is. Right. So someone maybe with, um, you know, let's say just empath qualities, uh, the work is boundaries as well. And same with someone that has codependent patterns. It's like working on these boundaries. But with codependency, it's more like, I need to do this. Otherwise, I'm worried that you're going to be mad at me and I can't have that happen. I need you to see, see me in a certain way. So mm-hmm. I'm going to just, you know, give everything to you or like, you know, give my all to you um, and be that, uh, you know, good friend for you um, at the expense of myself. Yeah, totally. <sighs> And even like we're speaking about boundaries right now and kind mm-hmm. of putting yourself first. And I know uh, a lot of people can resonate with what I'm about to say is mm-hmm. that in the immigrant experience mm-hmm. and living in an 
immigrant household, mm-hmm. things of like boundaries and, um, you know, putting yourself first mm-hmm. is not something that's always encouraged or really talked about or passed down. So I know even like for myself, just being part of that kind of, um, sorry, what's the word? Just being part of the upbringing, like you're not always taught to do that and like you're right not always the the term boundaries is not a very valued concept let's just put it that way so i right immigrant household so i know for me that was like such a big learning curve like going into adulthood about what you were taught versus what's like actually healthy and what's unhealthy and trying to like stand your ground and all that kind of stuff so do you find that coming up a lot in your practice as well Absolutely. And I and I could totally relate to as well Um, in my family, you know, coming from uh, Latina background, it it was like, what are boundaries? And so um, definitely, I think we learn a lot of this in childhood. And that's where codependency stems from. It's, It's something that's learned. And so part of the work is unlearning that right and like learning that like oh yeah we we do have these boundaries and it's okay for me to have this even with my family Mm -hmm. right um and so yeah I definitely see a lot of that in my clients there is um there's a fear of setting boundaries or just feeling really anxious around boundaries because it goes back to if I do this are they going to reject me are they going to be mad at me if I say really what's on my mind or speak authentically um, you know, am I going to lose them as a partner? Like there's a lot of fears around that. And a lot of my clients do come in with struggling with having, um, boundaries and, and their uncertainty of even thinking that they should have boundaries. Yeah. I felt that. I remember the first time I was like (laughs) with my counselor, practiced all my boundary setting and everything. And then I tried (laughs) applying it. And then I was like, that didn't go as planned. (laughs) Yes. Yeah, I know. Yeah. It's a practice. It's, it's absolutely a practice because, um, a lot of my clients come in and it's like, I am too, you know, I'm too scared that if I say something, this is going to happen. And so it's definitely step-by-step practice, um, to start using their voice and speaking up. And, and we have these boundaries as children, you know, we, when we like put our hands up and let's say we don't want to hug or kiss one of our family members, right? We're like, no, we kind of pull away. Like those are our boundaries. And sometimes, you know, especially, um, I don't know if in your culture, especially in the Latino culture, it's like, no, go, go hug your uncle or go give them that person, that family friend a kiss, like, you know, go uh, greet them. And as children, we might be like, I don't know them. I don't want to, you know, Um, but our parents kind of make us do it so that it's like, um, you know, showing good manners and things like that. So those are some, even some ways that are, we feel like, oh, then I are my, what I feel internally around this doesn't really matter. So then our boundaries kind of get lost. Yeah, I honestly, I totally resonate with that. And I saw an Instagram post about that recently. It was like a parent blog and how you're supposed to um, honor your kids, like boundaries and how they advocate for themselves. And that was one of the examples. And like, even reflecting back, you were mm-hmm. supposed to like, yeah, hug everyone. And if your parents told mm-hmm. you not to do that and you were kind of like, no, leave me alone. Like, I don't want to, then you're considered disrespectful. And right. then I think, yeah, that narrative totally just continues on in different ways. So yeah, like we we're saying earlier, the way that we were brought up is part brings like all these different things and just kind of like 
we were talking about earlier about like confusing with the empath and the codependency and like having these mixed messages. So then when you go to now, so like me, for example, I'm in my mid twenties right now. And like, I'm sure, you know, dating is so weird. Like there's there's just so much going on these days. And um, even like learning about codependency, like you kind of realize like where things happen the way they do and kind of what you bring into it. So I'm Mm going to choose from your experience and what you've seen in terms of like dating for young people, what are like the patterns of codependency that really come up and where are like the main issues that like you find happening with young people in dating? Right. I think um, some of the big ones that I could think of that come to mind are definitely like the people pleasing. And I think you kind of mentioned like that nice girl, you know, like being that good, nice girl um, that kind of ties into people pleasing and the people pleasing comes in as a way to avoid uh, rejection because there's a really big fear around rejection. And so then we people please to avoid being rejected. Um And because we want to be accepted by this other person, right? Well, in this case, like I said, we're talking about romantic relationships, but this plays out in so many different other relationships. Um, And so then you're going to behave a certain way, right? To get the guy to either stay with you or um, in order to avoid also abandonment. Mm -hmm. Um, So that's one of the main ones that I see in dating. And a lot of it too is like kind of being that, I mean, this ties into the people pleasing, but it's kind of just being that chill girl that kind of goes with the flow. I mean, I used to do that all the time. Like, oh no, whatever you want. Like, no, you, you tell me what you want to eat, right? Like all these things, like just trying to be so easy for them in that way. Um, where then I, you know, women or uh, might not express their true feelings. Um, and again, that goes also into not having some boundaries sometimes because, you fear losing that connection. You want to maintain the connection. So, you know, if if there's a guy hitting you up at night, like 8 PM and kind of saying, Hey, can I go over? Um, You know, women might say, yes, come over. They might not want to say no, because they don't want to lose that connection. Like they want to maintain, um, you know, that connection and have them continue to be interested, have the guy continue to be interested in them. Mm -hmm. So a lot of the times there's like that, you know, lack of lack of boundaries um with that and also what i see a lot too is there's a confusion between like sexual chemistry for compatibility Mm. and it's like you know because we do have like the the warm and fuzzy like butterflies and like all like the fireworks and all that in the beginning right like that's kind of normal to have right it's just kind of like what happens um in our bodies when we're when we're liking someone but then um young adults, and this was my experience as well, we, we tend to confuse that for compatibility and even sometimes for love. And then, you know, and we also think like, well, maybe if I sleep with him early on or something that I'm going to secure this relationship in this way. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and so these are things that I, that I see often. And in regards to some anxiety, um, it's, you know, maybe you're, you're, you're on the first few dates, um, you've got on the first few dates with them, but then you're not hearing back from them right away. And then you start to get a little bit fearful or panicky and too much in your head. And then you start questioning yourself and telling yourself, like, did I say something wrong? Did I do something wrong? Why hasn't he texted back yet? But then, you know, in reality, it's probably only been an hour or so. That's <laughs> Yeah, that was me too. I, I get it. It's probably only been an hour. But that hour feels like forever because that part is kind of rooted way back in um, 
this is kind of going into a little bit of the anxious attachment, which which is a two totally separate things, right? Like anxious attachment and codependency are actually two totally separate things. However, um, you know, someone with codependent patterns can absolutely have some anxious attachment traits. Mm-hmm. And so it's, yeah, it's like, I haven't heard back. And so what seems like forever was only an hour because actually and in infancy, when we're starting to develop this attachment with our caregivers, we have no concept of time. Mm-hmm. So what, if we're crying in our crib for like 30 seconds, that feels like an eternity for us because we're like, where is our you know parent going to come and like nurture us and comfort us, right? And so then when that gets activated in these adult relate adult romantic relationships, it's something similar that happens where it's like, oh my gosh, I haven't heard from him in a few hours. Like wh- what's happening? And then sometimes we continue checking our phones or maybe even texting to like see how he's doing. And, you know, so those are really like the things that stand out that I see um, in, in the young dating world. I, I totally can resonate with all of those. And I don't even think it stops there. I think there's so many more um, oh, yeah. like patterns and like anxious patterns, like you were saying. So, I mean, for people that are listening to this and have this experience in their life, I'm sure after maybe like one or two common pat like these occurrences, you start to see like a common pattern and a theme in your dating life. Right. So, what can people do to kind of help themselves with these um, concerns? And like, how can they start to do, quote unquote, the work when it comes to codependency? Yeah, that's a great question. I mean, we could tackle this in so many different ways, but because we only have a few minutes here on this podcast, I'm definitely going to give some some tips that, you know, um, women could start implementing. So one of the things in when we're talking, um, I'm going to talk right now about codependency, and then I'll go into the anxiety piece. Um, with codependency, we definitely... We want to get back to having that relationship with ourselves. And this might absolutely be a practice because, again, like when we start um, start connecting back with ourselves, um, sometimes there's some emotions that or, or feelings or thoughts that um, we might not want to face just yet, which is why the focus is always outside of ourselves. And so it might feel a little bit, you know, anxiety provoking to like not do the overfunctioning, um, you know, or, you know, being that rescuer. And so this is an absolute practice little by little, step by step. And so one of the things is you want to establish some type of self-care practice. And one of my three steps that I talk about often um, in regards to self-care and getting back to yourself is first step is you want to identify for yourself. And this is something you could practice daily. Um, you could practice this like after work or during the day. I like to do this after work. I like to just check in or after, you know, after I see my clients, um, I like to check in and just ask myself, okay, what is it that I need for myself like right now? Like, let's establish number one, like, what do I need right now? That could be that maybe I I didn't eat and I just, you know, saw clients back to back all day or something like that. Or that could be that, like, I'm just so exhausted or tired. Or that could be that I, I need some relaxation or I need some like social support. So I'm going to call a friend, right? It could be whatever it is that you need. It could be something basic, like I said, food, water, just getting some rest. And then the second thing that you want to do is you want to see if, is this thing going to nourish me? Because that's really important. So it's not just about, you know, self-care of like, I'm going to go get my nails done. Although that's amazing. That could be self-care, but it's checking in like, is this going to nourish me at this time? 
Mm-hmm. So as an example, like if I want to, you know, relax, let's say with like some TV, cause I've had a stressful day, like, is, is it going to nourish me to watch like, you know, I don't know, some investigative murder show or something like that? Probably not if I'm stressful. So I'm going to, I'm going to have to check in to see what else is going to nourish me. Oh, maybe like watching some episodes of friends. Like, yeah, that's actually going to nourish me. Cause that's going to make me feel um, lighter after like a stressful day. Right. Mm-hmm. So I'm going to check in, is this going to nourish me? And then the last step is honoring my commitment and my decision to myself. It's like keeping that promise to myself. Meaning that like, if I tell myself I'm going to relax and I'm going to watch some friends then I'm going to keep that promise and I'm not going to watch something else that might not be nourishing for me that day. Mm. So it's, what do I need? Okay. Is this going to nourish me and honoring my commitment? And that's, and, and these are small practices, which really create big shifts. So these are things that you can start doing like on a daily basis to start connecting back with yourself, to start checking in, like, what do I need? Like, you know, am I hungry? Did I not like, maybe I ignored my hunger pings? I don't know. So it's just checking in and like really keeping that promise to yourself so that there's no self-betrayal because that's something else that happens in codependency. So that's something, number one, kind of to start off with. Um, The other thing I like to do, especially with maybe some anxiety that comes up um, in relationships is using a technique, um, called like a regulating technique called orienting and grounding. And that's just pretty much if you're able to, you might not be, but if there's that opportunity to just go outside and take a walk, you're just looking around and looking at your environment and labeling and labeling what it is that you're seeing in detail, the colors, right? Of the trees, the flowers, wherever it is, Um, the sounds from the outside, right? Like feeling the breeze or the sun on your face, Um, it's things like that, that get you back connected into your body. Hmm. Um, and there's also with codependency, um, there's also a lot of inner child healing work, um, Mm -hmm. which is kind of, again, going back to connecting with yourself. Um, there's, there's that. And I have a free masterclass on anxious attachment and I teach more techniques in that masterclass. Um, so that's another, um, you know, that's another, uh, free masterclass to kind of look at where I go into some more techniques on anxious attachment and even like some journal prompts as well. Ooh, cool. And, um, I know another thing that a lot of people love is, you know, having other resources like books or podcasts or anything like that. Do you have any other recommendations to learn more about this? Yeah, absolutely. I have like, um, yeah, like three top books, I think that are, that, um, are great, um, for codependency. There's, uh, there's the popular one codependent no more, but that one has more of an approach of like, let's say you're working through maybe a partner that has like addictions or like substance abuse or come from a family with addictions or substance abuse. So that's geared more towards that. And that's a great book. That's actually one of the first books I started with. So it's called codependent no more, um, by Melody Beattie, I think is the, is the author's name. Um, but the top three that I enjoy as well is facing codependence by Pia Melody. That's like a really great resource. Um, so that's again, facing codependence by Pia Melody. Um, the second book around codependence and love addiction is women who love too much by Robin Norwood. 
yeah, women who love too much. And the last one in regards to like working through some anxious attachment and actually using some techniques. Um, this book has lots of techniques on regulating your nervous system for, um, and kind of reducing some of that anxiety in relationships. It's called The Power of Attachment by Diane Heller. I think those are like some three books to kind of start off with. Those are great books. Um, there's a lot of uh, techniques and um, activities in those books. And so that's like a great start right there. And the most important, yeah, the most important thing with this is like anything that you're learning, right? Um, reading it like in the books, like there's activities on there that you're implementing. I think that that's like the key thing, right? Like practicing and implementing these things so that you can start seeing, you know, small shifts in your life. Yes, I totally agree. And I feel like once you kind of like dive into this and like learn more, you'll learn so much about yourself because I think codependency and anxiety, it's just so many unconscious patterns that we're living through on a day to day. And I think when, you know, you get to that awareness where you like realize that, okay, yeah, maybe I am experiencing these things. Like it's a, it's a game changer and it helps you so much. Absolutely. Yes, absolutely. Love that. Well, thank you for coming in and talking to us more about codependency. And if um, someone wants to join your masterclass or they want to learn more about your work, where can they find you? Oh, yes. So they can find my, my masterclass a link is in my bio on Instagram. That is at loves.hustle, H-U-S-T-L-E. And or, or on my website at www.loveshustle.com. Awesome. Okay. I'm definitely going to be checking that out too, because I want to learn Yes. So before we go, I had one more check-in question for yes. you. So how would you define today's young culture? Ooh, how would I define today's young culture? I think um, today's young culture, I think like everyone's waking up to to really healing and breaking, you know, patterns, generational patterns, whatever patterns that might be. I, I feel like there's a lot of awakening and a lot of healing happening in our culture. Um, and I think it's really great to see, you know, there's so many resources out there now with, um, with you know, just with social media that there's a lot of support and a lot of, uh, you know, um, yeah, just like a lot of support and a lot of openness around getting and seeking support with codependency or anxiety or whatever that might be. I think like now it's like more so that everyone's talking about it and everyone's being vulnerable and sharing these things on social media. Mm -hmm. um, and so I think it's like a really great time for a lot of healing to happen. I I, know. I love it so much. Sometimes I like yeah. have these moments where I'm like, you know, the future generations will never have to experience these things or will at least know how to, um, how to deal with it. And yeah. that, there's something so comforting in that. Yes, absolutely. Yeah, yeah. That, I 100% agree. Well, thanks again for coming and talking more about codependency. I think you might definitely, you know, turn on some light bulbs in people's uh, minds about codependency and how they can explore it in their own journey. Oh, yes, I hope so. And thank you so much for having me on here. Yes, no problem. And thank you to everyone for listening. If you get a chance, please check out my Instagram at Young Culture Podcast, and we will talk to you soon.